I can get. There we go. All right. We are uh, continuing to study through the doctrines of Christ. Um, we talked last week about the virgin birth, specifically uh, the question we tried to answer, hopefully we answered is, you know, why is it important for Christ to be born of a virgin? Is it really that important? Is there, is there scriptural evidence um, and uh, the answer is yes, it's important. Uh, the salvation had to come from the Lord. It couldn't come from man. Uh, Adam and Eve had opportunity to, uh, and they were tempted. They had opportunity, but they sinned. Um, so there had to be a Savior, a perfect person to live a perfect life and a perfect sacrifice uh, for our sins, and that was Jesus Christ. Jesus was not only just a man, he was also God. He was part of the deity, part of uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Certainly there are limitations within humanity. Uh, We talked about that before. Um, Christ had limitations within his own body. He was hungry, he was tired, he was sad, Um, he had emotions, if that's a limitation, but he had all of those things Um, from within a human uh, person. So he was 100% um, God and 100% man. Today, we will be talking through uh, scriptural claims that Christ is part of the deity. And um, over this week and next week, maybe the next two weeks, um, we will answer the questions or uh, we will go through each of these statements that there's evidence that Jesus possessed the attributes of deity. Um, answer the question: Did Jesus give up some of his divine attributes while on earth? That, that's a good conclu- uh, question. And come to the conclusion that Christ is fully divine. And then answer another question: Is the de- doctrine of incarnation unintelligible today? And why was it necessary for Jesus to be part of the deity? And these are the questions we'll answer and things that we'll think through. But today we're going to talk about the doctrine specifically of Christ, the deity of Christ, how that Scripture affirms that Jesus was 100% man, but at the same time he was 100% God. That's hard for us to think through. We can't understand that a 100% God could be 100% man. How does that work? But the question that we have to uh, wrestle through is that are there scriptural proof? Is there is there proof in Scripture that states that Christ is deity? And I would say right off the bat, hopefully you would too since you're here early this morning, that you would say, amen, yes, that's true. But we're going to go through those things. Um, one thing that you'll, you'll see and hopefully you'll uh, understand, I'm not trying to flex my scholarly brain muscle when you see these Greek words. Uh, I'm not trying to um, to throw them around just for reason, but I think it's good for us to to see some of those. Uh, these are words that were originally in the original New Testament uh, and translated for us in English. I think it's important for us to see that. And that word God, theos, is, is a word that you may have heard of. Uh, we can see that um, that particular word, when you see uh, the word God in the New Testament, it refers to uh, God, God the Father, but also can refer to Jesus Christ. Um, you know, often you may think of when you try to defend the faith, specifically to maybe a Mormon or, uh, I mean, sorry, a Jehovah's Witness or to even a Mormon, but 
Jehovah's Witness or maybe a Muslim, you would think uh, the proof in Scripture that Jesus is God is taking them to John 1.1. And that is a great passage. But there are many other proofs in Scriptures, and we're going to talk through those today, um, that shows that Jesus is, in fact, God. Romans 9 is a great one. Uh, we can see here, Romans 9.1 says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut, from, cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenant, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from theirs is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, which is Jesus, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Paul is saying that Jesus is God. And then we see in Titus a similar statement. He's using that word God as the same place as Jesus. He's saying for For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to the ungodliness and worldly passions and to to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessing hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the same Jesus is God who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself for himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is, what is good. So the word God can also mean the word or to refer to Jesus. Context determines how that is played out. Same thing for the word Lord or kurios, which is the, the Greek word kurios. It can be translated, that specific word can be translated in many different ways. It can be transferred as God, or it can be a polite way to address a superior. It can be a way that you would, um, a master would be considered to a slave or a servant. It can also mean Jesus, the Messiah. That word kuras is, is in the New Testament many times, and you can see there's 6,800 times in all of the New Testament. And so maybe you under, try, try to figure, well, how do you know which one refers to Jesus or God or Christ? And it's about the context. It wasn't hard for the New Testament uh, readers of that time, not even believers, when they saw that word, curios, in their language, they would un- interpret it the way that it was written in the sentence. So as you can see in Luke 2.11 we see that the angel of the Lord is coming to the shepherds in the fields, and they're saying that Jesus was born the Messiah, the Lord. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The same thing. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Lord. And then you see in Luke 1 that um, Elizabeth is excited, the fact that the mother of my Lord, she says, has come to me. She's talking to, she's referring to Jesus even before he was born. He was in, in the belly of, of Elizabeth, or Mary. 
And she's saying she understands and recognizes that Jesus is Lord. We also see in, uh, in the New Testament, other scripture, referring to Christ as Lord. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus the man. He's saying that prepare the way for the Lord. He's talking about Jesus, that person that was about to baptize, be baptized by John the Baptist. Make straight paths for him. John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lord. We also see that Jesus refers to himself as the sovereign God. And then let's, let's read this passage, Matthew 22, 41 through 44. It says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Isn't it interesting how Jesus asked these very thought-provoking questions? Jesus knew how they would answer. Jesus knew what the right answer was. But I love, I love how he asked these questions, causing the people that are hearing to think about that and, and further either confirming who he was or convicting their own selves, condemning them own, their own selves. And they answered, the Son of God. And then he said, How is it that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put my enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And then what, what do they say? Nothing. No one could answer. They didn't understand how to reply. They knew what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying he was the sovereign God. He was the Lord And that, I'm sure, infuriated them. You see, further in the New Testament, in in 1 Corinthians, Paul, again, is saying that there is only one God. Now, he's saying there's one God, and that God is the Father. But then he also says there's one God, and that's Jesus. How can that be? Is he he talking double talk here? No, he's, he's, he's confirming Christ's deity, the Trinity, as we would call it, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all the same. He's confirming this in that passage. It's an important one for us to, to see. Well, you say, well, that's the New Testament. Well, how, how do we, I mean, let's see what the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews, is, is quoting the psalmist in Psalms 102. In, in, in Hebrews 1, 4, I'll start here, and then I'll read the Psalms passage that, that this writer quotes. Um, Hebrews 1, 1 through 1, 4 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he, he spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he had made the universe. This writer is saying that Jesus was the one who spoke the world into existence. And if we know how uh, all of uh, our Bible starts, right, is that, that God created the heavens and the earth, and God is Jesus. The writer is affirming that. Verse 3 says, The Son uh, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After he had provided purification for his sin, he sat down at the right hand of his majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And then 
there's a couple verses that uh, the, the writer quotes other passages, but then he quotes this one in ver- uh, Hebrews 1.10, which is a reference to Psalms 102. And I'm reading here from uh, Hebrews 1. It says, He also says, In the beginning, the Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens and the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same as you as your years will never end. Before Christ was even born, the psalm wrote this specific passage about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, affirming, again, that Jesus is God. He is the Lord. Then we see other passages in Revelations, the very end of our Bible, close to the very, very last verses that were ever recorded for us to, in our Bible. We see that... Um, John is saying that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is our Lord. Not only does Scripture directly affirm that Jesus is God, Jesus is the Lord, but there are other people that claim that knew Jesus, even himself. This is a passage I read last week. I love this passage um, I'm going to read it again because I love it so much, but I'll just start uh, in verse uh, 48. Then Jesus answered him, aren't, you, aren't we right in saying that you are, the Samaritan, or you are a Samaritan and a demon-possessed? Jesus says, I'm not possessed by a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever do- obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, No, we know that you are demon-possessed. Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you, you say that whoever obeys you, your word, will, will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would not I would I would I would make be a liar like you. But I do know him and I and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced, and the thought of seeing my day he saw it and was glad. You are, the Pharisee says, you are, are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. And that word, I am, was direct. Uh, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying that he was God. Jesus was saying he was there before Abraham. He was there before Moses. He's before the time, the end, the world was existence. Jesus was saying he was God, and it infuriated them so much so that they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipped away from the temple grounds because his time was not yet come to be crucified. So Jesus claims to be himself. And now we see that Jesus also is saying that he is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. It's not just I am, uh, he's, he's saying I'm the first and the last. I always will be, or I always was, and I always will be. 
again, in reference to He is God. That passage I mentioned in John 1, that I think is a very um, important passage, but if you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, they would say that it's our Scriptures corrupted, specifically this one. Uh, I know that the Mormons or the Muslims would say the same thing too. You know, how, how do you combat somebody that, or how do you try to argue against somebody that, um, that, that says our Scripture is, is not what we have today? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously God has to remove their blinders. But we should not stop um, uh, telling people about Christ because they don't believe in Scripture. The, the fact is they have to believe all of Scripture. We do too, or we shouldn't believe any of it. We can't pick and choose what we want. We have to believe all of Scripture. And Scripture says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. That Word was Jesus Christ. So you could say in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was God, was with God, and, the, and Jesus was God. Word is Jesus. God is Jesus. The same thing. God is claiming. Jesus is claiming. John is claiming that Jesus is God. John, again, later in that same chapter, is, is saying the Word, again, referring to Jesus. So that's how we know that the Word, that actual Word, W-R-D, is referring to Jesus. He's saying the Word became flesh. The Word, be Jesus, became a man. He lived among them. So Jesus is God. In Matthew, you're probably familiar with this passage too, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's asking a, another really good question. He says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Rightly so, they answered and says, some say that you're John, or the Son of Man is John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, and others prophets. But then he gets right to the direct point. He says, Jesus says to them, to the disciples, to his followers, his closest friends, he says to them, but who do you say I am? And Peter, being Peter, probably the first one to speak up, and he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. And Jesus replied with those great words. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you, I tell you that you are Peter, and, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you to the, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Then he ordered the disciples not to tell anyone for, that he was the Messiah. Isn't that interesting that Christ kept saying those things? And why, I always wonder why he would tell people that. I, I think there's probably lots of reasons, but obviously Christ is telling them to not to tell anybody, at least right now, that he's the Messiah. Because Christ had a purpose, he had a goal, the years that he was here, the few years that he was here. So again, John or uh, Matthew in our book is recording for us, um, <coughs> as we just saw, that Jesus is the Messiah. Not only the Messiah, he's the Son of God. And then if we go back to first, or John 1, 
Again, John is, is again saying that Jesus is God. The Word, Jesus, became flesh. He made dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I don't know how people get around the fact that Scripture teaches over and over again that Jesus is God. So John starts off with Jesus was the Word, then he defines what that word is. He's Jesus. And then now he's saying it again. Just so you don't, just in case you don't believe it, just in case you don't understand or know that, but I want you to know that Jesus is God. He's from the Father. And then he, then he says even more poignant things. He says, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. That's so clear. But Satan uses deception and twists the truth tries to get us to a people around us to to deny that Jesus is God. I don't know how you read scripture not believing that. And there are people that do, but I don't know how. Hebrews again uh, quoting from the author of Hebrews quotes uh, or says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being. No question about it. There's no question about that Jesus is God. Hopefully, that's not a question for you. Wayne Grudem concludes this section that we're going through in the Doctrines of Christ, specifically the direct scriptural claims with this. These passages combine to indicate the Son of God, when applied to Christ, strongly affirms His deity as the eternal Son in the Trinity, one equal to God, the Father, in all His attributes. I hope that that's not a question for you. The fact that you're here in our first service today, I'm guessing that that's not a question for you. But as you interact with other people, hopefully this gives you even more uh, foundational truth. You can reference these scriptures. There's many more. These are just some of the ones we went through that God is Jesus, the Lord is Jesus, and others claim that Jesus was God. If someone questions that, uh, we can drive them back to Scripture. I always struggled with uh, interacting with people, the people that don't understand Scripture or believe in Scripture. Like, how do you... Uh, I asked one of our pastors one time, I said, well, how do, you, how do you come back with somebody that just don't believe in Scripture? Is there like a book I should give them? And he's like, no, the Bible. Point them back to the Bible. And that may seem like circular reasoning, but the fact is, if we try to use outside tools to point people back to Scripture, that's not really a good thing. Point them back to the Bible. The Bible says, well, I don't believe in the Bible. Well, the Bible says this. And, and hopefully you can today walk away with, again, reminder, again, I think that you understand and believe that Jesus is God, but hopefully you can be reaffirmed in knowing from Scripture, we just read 10 verses, 10 different chapped parts of Scripture that that are stating that Jesus is God. There's no question about it. As we continue through the, the, the doctrines of Christ, and specifically uh, the deity of Christ, we'll finish up with these things next week and maybe the week after. It depends how much you can squeeze in there. Um, answering these questions and, and going through these statements. Um, so let's close in prayer, and then we will, um, we will sing Christ our hope in life and death. Great song. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for 
uh, again, this opportunity we have to come and uh, worship you. Lord, help us to just clear our minds from distractions. Uh, Lord, we're um, easily distracted with uh, so many things. Lord, um, I pray that you would help us to focus um, on the things that you have for us today, Lord. I pray that uh, as we sing songs to you and uh, hear your word proclaimed, that you would help us to rejoice you in you more, have joy in you more, have hope in you more, have love in you more, so that we can love others like you loved us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.